Hello, you're listening to Mentality, a podcast by the men, for the men. I'm Aidan J. Slater. I'm Jack Sims. I'm Alex. So, today we're discussing how to cope in the face of adversity. We talk about how we deal with the difficult times in life and how well that works for us. But most importantly, stay tuned for our chat with mental health counsellor Tim Cole as we delve into the up and downsides of coping mechanisms. Well, let's get right into it then. How is everyone today? Alex? I'm good today, thank you. Jack? Yeah, yeah, we're all good my end. How are you today, Aidan? I'm fine, thank you, Jack. So, I'll start with a simple question. Alright. What is a coping mechanism? Um, so my understanding of a coping mechanism is something that helps you to deal with stress or when you're angry. Like, I think the most typical example for me, is and actually kind of a group question, really. Um, you know, wh- what do you do when you are stressed? I mean, I know for one, when I'm stressed out, I'll watch a film or I listen to, like, horror podcasts, I'll put my candles on and stuff like that, and that really helps me chill out. Uh, what about you, Alex? What, what helps you chill or de-stress? I mean, what helps me de-stress when maybe listening to sad music, really sad music, and just walking in a park. Yeah. Park, yeah. Aiden? Well, uh, I tend to just talk to someone just so I can have that out of my system and, you know, have that sort of weight taken off my shoulders. And then beyond that, I'll just try and move on the best I can and sort of get stuck into something. So actually, I, um, I mean, obviously you guys know this, but we decided that it'd be best to find out what other people's coping mechanisms were or, you know, their general, um, way of dealing with problems that occur in everyday life. So we went to the streets of Nottingham uh, to ask these people and uh, picked up a few uh, picked up a few unique ones, actually. Um, I think we can uh, give the people a listen to some of those. Right, let's uh, roll the clip. So, Jack, tell us tell us a little bit about that. You had some difficulty talking to people, didn't you? I did, I did. Um, so I must have. I, I mean, let me let, let me set the scene for you. So it's uh, it's about ten o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm going around town, literally with this microphone, uh, and I'm going up to people, and 
I ask first of all, I'm saying that I'm doing a podcast on health and well-being. Um, and I'm just saying if I can, you know, they can spare a moment of their time just to talk about if they're stressed or not uh, or how they deal with that stress. And it just seemed that the word stress and coping just, it shut people down. Um, I'd probably say on average I interviewed, got to be at least 12 people, 13 people, and about six or seven of those um spoke to me uh the rest just didn't want to or were very reluctant to and i think that might say a lot about talking about mental health in general not just for men uh i will admit that i i went more predominantly for men and they were the ones that said no the most as you probably heard most of those were women talking about it and interesting thought I mean, I guess we can see that women are more open about the topic of mental health than uh, mm. men. Men want to keep the like, they want to keep the personality strong, not talk about too much. Well, here's a uh, interesting fact of the day for you. So, um, uh, Dr. Robert Stevenson um, from the Sheffield University actually did a, a, pa- a I believe it was some sort of paper. Um, and in this paper, it it said that men are four times less likely to get diagnosed for a mental illness uh, than women. I mean, would you say like also like the men feel like when they speak about the problem, it's more like it's an embarrassment and they feel really weak and mm. feel like they feel vulnerable so that people can take the like. Make fun of them. I feel I feel funny opening up. Like yeah. even when I'm with my mates, like I f- I feel a bit sometimes. It takes a lot of strength to just kind of say, you know, I'm I'm not all right. I'm I'm struggling here, and I don't know what to do. And that takes a that take that takes a lot. And it takes a lot of effort, and usually more than one sitting. You know. It, yeah. Would you also think like? Because I think maybe it's kind of underestimated. Like when someone like, when a guy's upset, they're like, oh, why are you crying? Or why are you being like such a, mm-hmm. you know, weak person for? Because I remember I see this like couple, I think this was two months ago, maybe. Like um, this became quite popular on Twitter that um, a Will Smith was crying mm. about his uh, marital problem. Yeah, yeah. His, and, um, his wife was cheating on him. Mm. That was it. Yeah. And he knew about it. And a lot of people made a meme about it. Mm. And it's quite, you think about it and just like, well, you're like, so when men are like depressed, sad or anything, it can be it's a joke. It's a joke, right? Yeah. It's not really good because we're all human out of the day. We all have the same pain as everyone else. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things I noticed when I was talking to the men, actually, and something you may have picked up on is... Um, Video games. Video games seem to be a very common one. This idea of immersing yourself in a, in another world, and actually, you know, I I I totally agree with that. Yeah, I it's find like, it's like you want to forget about like your the real life situation situation. So you want to feel like you're being someone else and feel like you're in this other world. Yeah, and, and yeah. forget about the world you're actually in. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like escapism is a big thing for a lot of people. I mean, one, one, one thing I sort of picked up on was that, I mean, like we mentioned about the video games being escapism, but also also the walking could be a sort of escapism in itself because it's almost as if, you know, they're walking away from the problem. 
What are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you feel like that helps you guys or? I mean, I can't, I can say it. I, I do that as well because um, when I like go, usually I do go for a walk, listen to some music, think mm -hmm. about the situation. How can the situation be better and what I've could have done in the past and how I can fix it now? That's usually what I think. And it's not really, it's not really anything good to be honest, because it's more like self-doubting. So, you've heard what we think, but now we speak to Tim Cole, a mental health counsellor from here in Nottingham, to get an insight into coping mechanisms from a professional. We're posing the question, are coping mechanisms actually good for us? So hi Tim, how are you today? Good, thank you. Pleased to be here. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a counsellor? Yeah, I'm a psychotherapeutic counsellor in Nottingham. I work with university students all over the country remotely and I also have my own private practice where I see clients um, of all ages and backgrounds with whatever they want to bring me. All right, so we've, we've already spoken a little bit about coping mechanisms today. Okay. And, um, well, the question we're trying to ask is, are there negatives to coping mechanisms? Sort of, is it a kind of double-edged sword? Definitely. Um, so from the things I've seen in my own life um, from and my own experiences with work is that they can be great if they're managed at a level, but it's when it tips to to becoming a necessity that it becomes a problem. And one that is uh, sometimes forgotten about is actually OCD type behavior because you feel like you have to do something in a certain way mm -hmm. or to create it, to make it go right, yeah. to create that element of control for yourself. And then, so you, you repeat it and then you repeat it and then it then gets stuck and you, end up sort of living by it and needing it and you have to do it before you do anything else rather than it just being something there to comfort you. So what you're saying essentially is we can come or become really dependent on those coping mechanisms. Definitely, yeah. That's why so many people have alcohol problems, drug problems, because it's, it's in a form of escapism mm. uh, to cope with the mental pain that they're in. But um, it, if, if it if it becomes a crutch, it, it then takes over. Yeah. Uh, because uh, actually I was uh, looking at some statistics from the NHS and they were talking about uh, young people and drug use. Yeah. And at the age of nine to 11, 9% uh, of uh, sort of children or in this case sort of tweens have um, tried drugs. And then as you get older, by the time you're uh, 16 to 18, that number jumps to 23% every year or every year older you get, that statistic just keeps growing. So maybe uh, people it's, use... Oh, sorry. It's the same, it's the same with uh, self-harm. Mm. Uh, if, if anybody's watched The Social Dilemma, they will, they, they've highlighted that when social media came in, self-harm rocketed mm. in 
all age all, all age groups from from very little to much older um, as a coping mechanism. You you mentioned the the social dilemma documentary, yeah. um, and something they sort of bring up in that is that you know they use the example of that girl who can't stay away from the phone. Yeah. And is that sort of a, a way of coping in itself? Yeah, because it just because you're absorbed in in that rather than your own head. The uh, the whole point of coping mechanisms is to avoid the pain that's in your head. It's just to make things feel easier. Um, the problem comes that often coping mechanisms actually sometimes then become the problem. So you'll talk to an alcoholic, and the why they why do they drink is because of the pain that's going on in their head. If you talk to homeless people, it's why are they there? Because they've had men- usually they had mental health problems, um, whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever, and it's led them to where they are, and they they need that to feel okay because the rest of the time they 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 can't they can't be in their own head. Do you think that this fake image that people are trying to maintain online that you know people are trying to live up to that and that themselves or that in itself is becoming a coping mechanism by creating a facade of some sort well we all do that anyway we would we've been doing that for years um if you talk to lots of people with mental health half the people you won't even know that they've got mental health problems because they become such good actors it's now just they're having to do it in another arena as well i didn't as a because i grew up without it um and i didn't have to market myself to my friends or to the rest of the world i i didn't have to think about how i looked in every picture or post a picture uh, now, now everything is judged online. Mm. It's about likes. It's about it's rather than actual feedback from people. It's a it's a click that we're all chasing, and you can't get the satisfaction you need. So obviously, like we're kind of focusing a lot on like the sort of the negative aspect of a of a coping mechanism. But would you say that there there are any positives to 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 come from those? Oh, of course, because they 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 can create that that area of comfort. Um, so for instance, um, one of the things that, uh, can, can help somebody is if they've got a problem going somewhere and they've got the prospect of going to do something that's challenging and worrying for them, they can break it down and make a coping strategy of, of, um, taking it stage by stage. Mm. And that means that they can then use that to go, well, if I need to get there and go and do this, I will... Uh, leave the house that's stage one stage two can be i'll get in the car and go for a drive um stage three is get out the car stage four is then go in and you can break it down and that can be your coping strategy rather than um holding on to a teddy bear Mm. or getting uh, blind drunk or something like that yeah exactly would you say that a lot of people actually develop theirs from you know from parents so I guess in a way I'm trying to say is, you know, let's say if somebody's dad was an alcoholic, um, would their children to cope with stress? It, it, it's going to, well, if, if mm. it, without oversimplifying, well, I will oversimplify it, but I don't mean to, but yeah. monkey see, monkey do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so you, you, you do take, um, you take a lot from your parents. You take your mannerisms from your parents. You, therefore, you're bound to take up your, your some of the coping strategies. Um uh, I know that I from from my mum. I that if 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 I'm having a difficult time, sometimes the best thing for me to do is go away and chill and get my either have a sleep or just get out and go for a walk. Where if it's my dad, I, I learned from. Sometimes it's best to just strong arm it and push through, um, 
or, or, or and, and just solve the problem and then deal with the emotions afterwards. And it and I've learned both of those from my parents. So like, do you feel like this like for many like guys or boys, right? Um, when growing up, it's like we have like this stereotype from our parents, like saying, okay, like when I was growing up, right? Uh, with like I was I was quite introvert if so I couldn't really talk about like certain things when I was a kid for example like if I was bullied at school or mm-hmm. if anything bad happened to me it's like I had like talk about it to my mother and, and if I was crying my mother would be like you need to be a man just like with standards and stuff and become stronger so um, do you feel like usually like that's the case um for like maybe for some people when growing up it can be if it's that that's a big lesson that your mum's saying to you isn't it it's it's saying that she's kind of saying it's not okay to cry and and to react this way and you have to but if but it was mainly it was like quite a conservative family it's more like um she didn't want me to feel like she wanted me to like work hard yeah like study hard and also like uh be able to like withstand a feeling like because I feel like maybe if it was my sister mm-hmm. I feel like yeah she would like be more like sympathetic mm-hmm. is is that um your family culture or a wider culture or is it I feel like maybe it's maybe like uh it's quite common I feel like maybe it's partly a wider culture for some uh, right for some people for mm-hmm. some people growing up so yeah like you have the image that you have to be more strong Mm. while the women are just like they can be very sympathetic and Co- stuff. culture makes a big difference mm. could this be why people often associate this uh, sort of stiff upper lip image with with britain you know the, this idea of sort of keeping it all in and just getting on with life well sometimes it can be the best way because if we if we open up every scar you're always going to be in pain sometimes the scar has to heal um, so if you've got a past trauma that sits with you and it's there and you know it, but you've coped with it and dealt with it, I wouldn't, if you came to me as a, as a client, I wouldn't want necessarily want to open it up unless you felt like it needed to, because there's no point in doing that. It's something that's healed. Um, it's only a problem if you continue to go back to it and it's open and it's sore and it's painful and you continue to pick at it uh, and then it's a problem. Some, some things have to be healed. Yeah, but the thing—the great thing about therapy is you, the, 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 the therapist is unbiased and they're, they're designed not to judge. They're there to listen to you and the whole objective is to help you feel better. And all you've got to do is walk along, go through a couple of doors, meet somebody, sit down and talk, and that's it. And it's, there's, no, there's no, you've got to reflect on your past, you've got to do this, got to do that. If you find the right therapist that you connect with, it'll just work and it'll just be easy. Actually, sort of links into another question, you know, being able to cope and explore yourself. What would you recommend are some good coping mechanisms for for people? Um, So the first thing is to sort of understand what's going on in the body and the mind. Um, And it's learning what about the fight and flight response is and why we have it and what it's for and what's going on. and it, and it basically is there to protect us. And you get flooded with adrenaline when we think we're in a position of, of being threatened. And, and and that was useful when we were 
not top of the food chain or whatever, or when we're, when we're driving or when we're crossing the road and we need to be alert and we need to, quite, we need to react. But the problem is these days with, with uh, it, there are very few situations like that where we actually need it for our physical safety. It, it now gets used for like, things that uh, we consider to be dangerous, like, I don't know, doing a presentation. Mm. Or, or or meeting somebody new or anything like that. When you, any place that we think we're going to be judged or something like that, we, it still it crops up. So, the more you can understand about human behaviour in general, the more you'll be able to understand what's going on for you. And therefore, if you can understand the physical reactions and why you're doing it, that can be helpful. Mm. The other part is to know that know that it's going to pass. It cannot stay. You can't stay feeling like this. The anxiety will drop. That sensation of pit, fear and panic is going to drop. And so know that what you're going through will pass. It might come back, but it's going to pass. So almost sort of focus on the positives over everything else. Precisely. If you, if I ask you to look for the negatives, you will find them. And then you will live in them and the fear will take over. But if I ask you to look for the positives, you will then change the way you feel. The problem is we le- learn often learn best from our our, fa- our failures rather than our successes. And so we concentrate and when we come to, when we have a failure, we concentrate, try to improve on it and move on. So we we're actually better trained at finding the mistakes than we are the successes because that helps us learn to develop. And so it's hard to do that. So if you're trying to change your mindset from negative to positive, know that you're going to fail a lot, but know that it's okay that you're doing that because you're trying to go in the right direction. And also remember, every morning you wake up, you're not trying to do the wrong thing. You're trying to do the right thing. If you don't do it exactly as you wish, it doesn't matter. The sun's still going to come up tomorrow. Life is still going to go on, and you have another chance to do it again. But yes, I think sort of leading on from that is something I looked into was the idea of the kind of adaptive coping mechanism versus the maladaptive one. Right. Where, you know, the the adaptive one is sort of taking taking that feeling and sort of doing something constructive with it, whereas the, the maladaptive ones were, you know, almost sort of wallowing in that misery, you know, sort of drinking, you know, playing video games. Or staying in bed. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, these are kind of the things that often lead to that sort of dependency. Um, you know, do you, do you think there is like there's a difference between certain coping mechanisms that are good for you and ones that are actually more harmful than they are helpful? Generally, as a rule, you'd say alcohol is a dangerous path. Drugs are a dangerous path. But it's it's about levels, I suppose, it was when we were we were talking the other day about self harm. You know, I've always really thought self harm more as a you know it's it's purely harmful, and I couldn't understand what people got out of it. But then actually talking with you, you know, and and you explained how actually that being able to control that feeling, even though it was uh, pain, you said even though it was a negative feeling, just being able to control that has a lot of benefits and i guess it's sort of the same with being drunk is you feel numb so that's why it has a positive effect uh, yeah it's in a, it's it's a it's a way of 
changing the way you feel and being in charge of it. Mm. Um, and also, if you if if I if if you can avoid cutting, great, do. If you're doing it, it's the reason people do it is because when you do do it, it gets, gives them endorphins because the blood rushes to it and it and it actually can feel nice. As as mad as that sounds, and that's why often we people do it. And it's also it's nice to see the blood and and it's often people feel so out of control that this feels like the only thing they can control. So when it comes to sort of maladaptive strategies, I guess in it's, it's yet again, it's, it's all relative because even though on paper, you know, cutting and drinking and drugs, they all, they all are harmful Hmm. to the body. But when it comes to the mind, it, it's a different ball game, I'm guessing. Yes. Um, I know that sometimes after a long day, I like a beer. Mm. Just helps me unwind. Yeah. I, I, I don't need to have seven. I have one or two and that's enough. And then mm. I'm just like, okay. Um, and I also know that I don't want to do that too often because it, it get, becomes a bad habit. But occasionally it's a nice thing to do. It's a nice feeling. Mm. It's about whether or not you're in charge of it. It's mm. whether or not you need it to be able to be okay. If you need it, then it becomes a problem. So it's almost like the the line is kind of blurred between, you know, these sort of good and bad mechanisms, but really it's about sort of limitation and, you know, not doing it in excess and not relying on it. Yeah, because if you say all alcohol is bad for for coping, well, it's like, well, you you suddenly take it away. It's like, well, actually, sometimes it's quite nice for me to go and have a glass of wine or whatever. Um, I don't. I don't have to do it that way, but I, I enjoy, it's something I enjoy, and I don't do to excess. So, where's the harm? If I'm in charge of that level, then there's um, where's the, where's the harm for that? I, I'm aware that if I have if I start to do it two three times a week, then four or five times a week, then every day, and then it's more and more and more. Then there is a clear path that I'm going in the wrong direction. But if I'm only deciding to do it once or twice. And it's only a couple. Then, then it's it's a coping strategy that isn't isn't necessarily right, and and particularly healthy. But it's it's it won't not kill you. well exactly. And and sometimes we forget that no 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 mechanism is perfect, really, mm. unless you just go and do something and it doesn't affect you. Because even then, like good coping mechanisms, maybe ones that aren't as physically harmful. Maybe like um, with some of the vox pops when I was asking people. You know, they were they were talking about going, doing exercise, uh, going for a walk or going for a run. But those in itself can be done as an excess, you know, literally going on a walk to walk away from your problems. It might not clear your head. It might just be, oh, I'll go on a walk. You know, That one, I'll kind of agree and disagree. Yeah, okay. Because physical exercise is one of the best coping mechanisms. It releases endorphins, doesn't it? Yeah. And actually walking allows you that time and space to sort out your problems mm. if you're sorting them out. Okay. It's not necessarily just walking away from your problems. Yeah. Because because you're walking, if you've got you no know, headphones on or or you've just got music on, it can allow you um, to explore the problems whilst moving. And so you're feeling better because you're getting the endorphins and doing exercise and solving the mental problems at the same time. Now, if you're needing to do that all day, every day, you're not coping. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then it becomes a bad coping strategy. I remember that uh, I used to drive my lecturers nuts because almost any question uh, they posed us, I'd answer with, 
it depends. Because it does. But it does. You're absolutely right. It, de- it depends on the specifics of each situation. Well, I feel like that's a, that's a good place to summarize as well. Yeah. Because I sort of feel like what I've, what I've taken from this is there is no sort of right way to, to cope with anything. It, it just really depends from person to person and depending on the situation as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm sure the the fellas will agree with me here. I mean, yeah, I think the one thing that I've I've learned um, about sort of these coping mechanisms and whatnot, and especially you know specifically focused on men, do I feel that there's still an issue with obviously stereotypes and how men are dealing with it because of those stereotypes? Absolutely, yes. But when it comes to answering the question of you know, um are they good or are they bad that it depends is it, it's such a big uh, it's it's a big cloud really because it really does depend on the situation and how the how the person themselves you know do they go for more short term or do they look for a, a permanent solution that yeah again that it depends um, it's a big question yeah which is which is it, is a coping mechanism bad or good it it depends on on levels yeah, I mean, like, literally, like, for me, it does depend as well. Because, um, I mean, like, some people would, like, sometimes, like, when you feel like you ask for advice on coping mechanism and your friend is, like, give you some and you, and you feel like, well, that doesn't work for me, right? It works for you, but it doesn't work for me. Yeah, exactly. Per- yeah, per- literally. Per- yeah. You, and, and your friends can be like you. Yeah. And so, therefore, offer you something that they think you might like you yeah. might like, but actually it's completely the wrong thing for you. Yeah, exactly. I know yeah. so many people that like to play a video game to absorb themselves and go off into that world, but it doesn't work for me. Stick a film on, quite happy. See, actually, that, in a way, because here we are sat on a podcast about men's mental health, and, you know, some people probably expect us to tell them, oh, well, if you do this, that, and the other, you'll be fine, you'll be great, but we can't. We can't do that because what works for me, you know, I know that when I'm when when I'm stressed out, I'll put on a film or I'll or I'll go and take my dogs for a walk or something like that. That won't work for everyone else. I can't be here, I can't sit here myself and say, you know, this will work for you because we are all different, men, women, everybody. Yeah, I, I sort of feel like, you know, what I've got from this is maybe more questions than answers, but, <laughs> you know, I feel like I have learned the important thing, which is, you know, there there isn't like a silver bullet for all this. Unfortunately you not. Know, everyone, everyone has to sort of find something that, that works for them, but is also healthy and, you know, safe for them as well. And it takes time. Yeah. And also, if there was a silver bullet, you'd be out the job. Well, yeah, there, there is there is that. But in a way, that would be a great thing because then people wouldn't have this pain. Yeah, so it's uh, yeah, but if only I had the answer. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I I think that's. I think that's. That's a good good place to wrap it up. Yeah, right? yeah. Right. Well, thank you, Tim, for coming on to talk to us. You're welcome. Been a pleasure. Well, thanks again to Tim for coming on to talk with us. You can find his page, Tim Cole, online at psychologytoday.com. I think that was a very insightful discussion uh, altogether. We learned a lot. Hopefully you did too. Uh, But if you find yourself struggling through these especially difficult times, reach out to friends, family. Uh, If you even need to reach out to us, our Instagram, Twitter and other social media handles will be in the description below. 
any sort of anonymous advice, we don't mind. We're here to talk. We're here to help. And if you're finding yourself in a really low place, get help as soon as possible. We've left information below for a number of, of charities and helplines for anyone that needs them. So that's all for now. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Aidan. And thank you, Alex. Thank you, Aidan. Well, we hope to see you soon. <sighs> Goodbye.